0: morning church family it is um it's just such an honor to be with you and to be able to bring god's word so thank you for the privilege and um, we're gonna get it together uh it is a beautiful morning out isn't it and what a great day to bring our praise to God and give our attention to the Word. If you've got your Bible, I want you to open up to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to look at the very end of chapter 11 and go into chapter 12, the first 14 verses of chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, there's some provided for you right in front of you in the pew, hopefully. And I think you'll find it on page 816. We have been in a series talking about Sabbath, and that is um, God's design for each of us to find rhythm in our lives, to get space where we get refreshed, where we take a pause and uh, draw near to God, and He draws near to us, and it breathes new life into us, and it, it is healthy and right and good. It's not about the law, about doing a bunch of things for God, but instead it's about just experiencing His presence and the goodness of that and the health of that. So, um, last week, if you were with us, we talked about kind of the arc of scripture from the Old Testament as God designed the day. He took this day so that we might be holy and experience His blessing. And He blessed this day. And then we saw the whole arc of it, as it went into the New Testament and started to understand that it wasn't about the this legalistic obedience we had, but rather we're called into this relationship with God to create space in our life so that we might draw near to him. So how'd that go this week? I was was wondering how how at Wintless last week, did you get some time off? Did you get a break and take some intentional time with him? I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip or, you know, make you shamed or whatever. I'm just asking because it's really important for us in the middle of all we've got going on. I know some of you have got finals coming up, and some of you have got a weight, a burden at work, and I'm just Asking, how how's that refreshment going as you draw near to the Lord? Hopefully, you're taking space and you're taking time to just listen to His voice and pray out to Him and seek Him in the Word. The New Testament takes a, a different take. It helps us understand that the Sabbath wasn't about a law. It was about the spiritual principle in our life. And Jesus is going to help teach that out in this passage. Now, just a little forewarning in the passage. Many of you, as you study God's Word, you'll like read a chapter and then break and then go to the next chapter. But that's not actually how the book is written in the original language. The original language doesn't have chapter headings. So it just goes into the next paragraph. And sometimes they're um, a little bit awkward as they split. And this is one of those times because I think what happens here in this text is Jesus makes this statement in his teaching that's really great and refreshing and helpful for us, and then he models it out like Jesus often did. If you study the New Testament, you'll realize in the life of Christ, often he would teach a lesson and then he would back it up by some activity that he was involved with, or he'd do this miracle and then he'd teach out of it. So he would help people understand the depth of what he's teaching, and that is what happens right here. So let's read it together, starting in verse 28 of chapter 11. And it might be familiar to some of you, these are just such great words. These are really helpful for us. If you came in and you were feeling a little stressed and felt like you were carrying stuff as you walked in, just listen to this. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Isn't that great invitation? That's sweet. Like you've got a lot of stuff on your plate, and Jesus is saying, "Hey, let's put it in park right now, and just come to me. All those burdens that you've been carrying, walking around with, let's just give it to me right now. Okay. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I'm gentle." And lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I'm not here to dump a bunch of law on you, or a bunch of expectations on you, or to shame you in a relationship. Actually, it's really different than that. I'd like you to just give it over to me, and let's partner together. Let's do this together, the spiritual journey. Let me help you. And, and by the way, wouldn't it be great for you to find in your soul real rest and refreshment? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be great to be able to go come together and gather together as a, a family and just find refreshment? Hopefully, that happens on a Sunday morning for you. And that's the invitation that Jesus is giving. And then, chapter 12. So this is Jesus is going to help people understand and flesh this out. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. Now, you might think they're ripping this person off who has this field. We'll get to that later, but that's not really what's happening. But when the Pharisees saw it, so apparently they're following the disciples around. When they see what happens, they said to him, that is to Jesus, look, look. Your disciples, that is, your, your people who are following you around, who are modeling your behavior, this is on you, Jesus, right? Did you see what your disciples just did? They're doing what's not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Now, you have to understand, there's Old Testament law, and there is the addition to the Old Testament law called the Talmud. The Talmud is a compilation of civil and ceremonial laws that were written out by the rabbis over the years that were gathered together in the Mishnah and the Gemara. It was a compilation of all those expectations, the religious duties, that the church, that is not the capital C Christian church, but as the tradition of the Jewish uh, history and their temple, all of that was laid on people, and it was a, a legalistic system. You have to understand, this is really, really vital as you think about this text. We are not under the law. Like We're under the new covenant, which frees us from the law. The law is a shadow to help people understand there's no way we'll ever be obedient to all these things and can come to God perfectly because none of us are perfect. We're all broken and in need of a Savior in need of grace, God's forgiveness to us. And that's what, it was all pointing to Jesus. Now Jesus is on the scene, and he's helping them understand what the Sabbath pointed to, what the temple pointed to, what all the law pointed to, their need for him, and to find the refreshment and life in him and his mercy. So, the Pharisees, they're complaining about what was happening, and he answers back. This is in verse 3. Jesus says to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence. Now, the bread of the presence was a symbol of God's sustaining God's people when they were in the wilderness. It was the manna. Remember that God gave them every day. He gave them provision for them. So the bread of the presence was in the temple for them to remember how God had provided for them, been faithful to them. The bread of presence was taken out. It was renewed every day. And then the priests could eat of it after it had been already used for that day. So it was allowable for them to eat. But that's not all that happened here in the Old Testament. You hear the story. Actually, someone was telling me between services, hey, I just read that in my quiet time this week in 1 Samuel. I said, yeah, that's right there. So anyway, so they... Um, here's what happened. So they entered the house of God and they ate the bread of presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. Now that's a powerful phrase. It's a phrase that really the whole passage turns on. So you have to ask yourself, what is it that's more powerful than the temple? What's Jesus saying to them? And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He's quoting from Hosea 6.6. 6. It's a message throughout the prophets how God's heart was not about obedience to all these laws, but at the core of it, it was about mercy. If they had not understood what that meant, you would have not condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. That, again, is a really powerful phrase. Son of Man, that's the title for Jesus, is the Lord, the master of this day, of the Sabbath. Jesus, that is, he went on from there and entered their synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. So imagine this: a person's at church, and they need physical healing. They're really suffering. And the question that these guys had was, "This is not." They already knew it in their brain that it was, according to the Talmud, it was not lawful for them. Somehow the Talmud had mistaken what their gathering was about. Why'd you come this morning? Hopefully, in part, it was to find refreshment, right? Hopefully, in part, it was to draw near to God. And I hope and pray that this is a place where we can find healing. All kinds of healing. like That we would come together as God's people, brothers and sisters in Christ, and experience healing. And that's exactly what it was designed for. But these people had missed out on what God's design was. And so they were looking at Jesus and waiting to accuse him that he was doing something wrong if he helped this person out. Verse 11, he said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Or how much more value is a man than a sheep? So is it lawful? No, so it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath, Jesus says. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. So at the end of chapter 11, we see the stage set for what happens in chapter 12. And Jesus inviting these harried, stressed-out people to a completely new way of living. Like clearly a way of understanding their approach to God and God's expectations for them. And Jesus gives them really three things to think about that would change everything for them. And here's the first thing, that they're actually invited to take a step of partnership with Jesus. He gives them the metaphor of a yoke. Now, you don't have oxen in your garage, I'm assuming, but you know what the image of a yoke is, right? It's not that complicated. They, they would stick one oxen on um, a part of the yoke and the other oxen on another part and the two of those oxen pulling together could do more than one of them separately or even two of them separately could do because now they're moving the same direction in partnership and it's a great metaphor of us in our spiritual life, right? We don't do this alone. You do not live life alone. If you, if you were a child of God, you are yoked together with your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, to do life together with Him. And you know what? He's a lot stronger than you are. He, he does the work, and you're along for the ride a lot of times. I was watching this, we were talking. I was talking to my son. Um, he, we saw a little family that were cruising around on their bikes yesterday. And this dad had this bike with one of those attachments that goes on the back of your bike, and the kid can ride, and you're actually the dad's doing all the work, and the kid's on that little bike, you know, down behind. You know, you don't understand what I'm saying? So um, I was saying, hey, remember when you do that, when you did that, Andrew? And Andrew's like, yeah, you did all the work, and I just like put up my legs, and you know, I didn't pedal at all. I said, yeah, I knew that. But anyway, that's the picture that we're connected in this yoke with the Lord Jesus. That's the invitation for our spiritual journey. Jesus says, hey, if you've got burdens and you're stressed out, then just think about this. It's light because I'm going to do the work for you. Let's bind yourself together with me and let's do life together in partnership. So that's the first invitation. The second was he invites them to learn from him. That's actually the word for disciple right there. I'm going to model what life looks like. In the kingdom of God, join with me. And I'm not just going to teach you and say words, but we're going to do this together. All right, so it's setting the stage for what happens in chapter 12. But he's giving an invitation for you to look at Jesus, to learn from him, and to follow and imitate him. That's how we do life. That's the spiritual invitation we have for him. And thirdly, they were called to find rest in their souls, in him. Not in all the stuff that they were trying to perform and the rule keeping that they were involved in. So those three things are the invitation that Jesus gives in chapter eleven, and they're really great invitations, right? First, step into partnership with Jesus. Don't do this. Try to do this by yourself. That's not how God designed you to live. Do it in partnership with Him. Connect with Him. Second, think about modeling your life after Jesus. Learn from him. Be a learner, a disciple. And third, find refreshment in him. Right? Be refreshed. We come together, hopefully, together as a, a family, and we find refreshment. It's, it's good. You walk out of church now with a bunch of load of shame and guilt, and, man, I didn't do this this week, and I need to step it up and all that. That's not how we were designed to operate as a church family. It is, wow, isn't God good? He's a good, good father. And I love the second phrase of that, that song, right? This is my identity. I'm loved by him. Did you hear that? I'm loved by him. This is my identity in him. And so that's the invitation that Jesus is giving them to participate in. And as we discovered last week, God was inviting these people to find a new kind of living a different rhythm in their life, that they would think about the Sabbath as an opportunity to draw near to God and not be caught up in all the rules. God had purposely created a day for us to rest, and it's called the Sabbath. And it's not about legalism. Legalism says, do this. This is all the stuff you have to do to perform, to to be accepted, and for God to love you. And legalism also is attached by a bunch of people saying, and let me make the rules for you. But that's not what a spiritual life with the Lord Jesus is designed to look like at all. It's to be freeing. Jesus is in fact saying, don't live like that. God is blessed today and calling you to create space so that you might spend time with him. You might be refreshed and it might be really good. Yet in the days of Matthew 12, when it came to the seventh day of the week, all people could think of was how hard it was. And so many rules and regulations have been placed on them for the seventh day of the week that it was a lot harder to do life on the Sabbath than it was the rest of the days of the week. It was a lot easier to go to work and just do life then than to actually have to go and rest because it wasn't rest at all. It was thinking about all the laws and the rules that they had to do. And and here's what I mean. The Talmud, which is that body of literature that talks about the civil and ceremonial laws, it had multiple places that talked about what you had to do and what you could not do on the Sabbath. In fact, there's one portion of the Talmud that has twenty-four chapters on it. Twenty-four chapters. There was a rabbi that spent two and a half years on one chapter trying to spell out all the things that that chapter was saying. You catch that? So like his, he could spend an entire lifetime just thinking about those 24 chapters of all the things he could and couldn't do on the Sabbath, and it was a crazy list of things that you could and couldn't do. So you could travel 3,000 feet on that day, on the Sabbath day. But if you traveled 3,001, you were in violation of the law. But if you had like a meal or if you'd set up like a cache, like a food cache, like 2,999 feet away, then you could travel to that and that place would now be called home and you could go another 3,000 feet Right? So you could get around the law that way, but it takes a lot of planning and organization and ahead of time thinking to be able to travel anywhere you wanted to on a Sabbath. You could, be, um, you could lift up a thing from a certain place and put it down in a certain place, but you couldn't do it outside of the law. So you could lift up something in a public place and put it down in a private place, and you could lift up something in a private place and put it down in a public place, But you couldn't lift up something in a public place and put it down in a public place, which gets really confusing, right? And actually, as it played out, they also said that you could lift up something in a wide place and put it down in a legally free place, or the opposite, you could lift up something in a legally free place and put it down in a wide place, but they didn't know what a wide place or a legally free place was. So it made things super confusing, right? It was just a burden for them to carry or think about carrying anything. And in fact, they couldn't carry anything. You could carry something with the weight of a dried fig, but you couldn't carry more than that. You could carry two things that added up to the weight of a dried fig, but how much does a dried fig weigh? It's difficult to know. And there was a long list of things you couldn't eat on the Sabbath. You could put an olive in your mouth, which I would never do because I hate olives, But you could put an olive in your mouth, but if it was rotten, if it was a bad olive and you spit it out, you couldn't put another olive in your mouth because that had already counted. You'd already tasted it. So you couldn't put a second olive in your mouth. And if you threw an object up in the air and caught it with your other hand, if you're a baseball player or whatever, you know what I'm talking about, or a football player or whatever, that was a violation of law. You could only put it up in the air and catch it with the same hand. That would be okay. It's very confusing, right? All these rules and laws. A tailor on the Sabbath couldn't carry a needle lest he would be tempted to sew something that ripped. A scribe couldn't carry a pen because then he might be tempted to write. And a student couldn't carry books on the Sabbath. And I know those of you who might be students are rejoicing in that, right, today when you're thinking about all your finals. And you couldn't examine... Anybody's clothing, because you might find something on their clothing, like an insect, and kill it. And that would be a violation of the law. Wool couldn't be dyed. Nothing could be sold or bought. Nothing could be washed. A letter couldn't be sent, even if you gave it to a non-Jew for yourself. You couldn't write a letter. You could write two letters of the alphabet, but no more than two letters of the alphabet. An egg could not be boiled, but you could lay it in the sun. Cold water could not be poured on warm. Warm water couldn't be poured on cold. And you couldn't turn on a fi- You couldn't light a fire. Now, the way that plays out currently with Orthodox Jews is you can't turn on a light on the Sabbath or turn it off. And that's difficult. So my in-laws, my wife's parents, they're super hospitable. And when they were living in New Jersey... They had neighbors who they really loved, and they happened to be Orthodox Jews, and they needed to be out of their house. Their house was being tented and uh, fumigated. So they brought them over to the house, and they had a a downstairs, like uh, so people on the East Coast have basements, right? And theirs was all finished. So the family was staying in the basement. And um, mom and dad had one of those automatic timers for their lights. So the lights were off, and about two in the morning, something triggered this timer that went on in the basement. So all the lights on were on the basements. The family wakes up, but they're Orthodox, and it's the Sabbath, and they can't turn it off. And they, they felt like it's 2 in the morning, so they didn't want to go up to the mom and dad and say, hey, the lights are on, can you turn them off for us? So they just stayed up all night because they couldn't do it. So that was, that was the type of laws that these people were living under, and it was a huge burden You couldn't take a bath because if you spilled water on the floor, then that counted as washing the floor. A woman couldn't look in a glass because she might see a gray hair and pluck it out. I couldn't look in a glass because then I would be totally bald, right? (laughs) You couldn't carry more grain in your hand than that could fit into a lamb's mouth. And I was asking in the first service, wow, what does that even mean? And someone told me. Someone said, oh, it's about this much like, how do you know that? What, what kind of, right? But these are all the laws. You couldn't wear jewelry because jewelry weighed more than a dried fig. In fact, you couldn't even wear your false teeth because that weighed more than a dried fig. So for those of you who came to church with dentures, get a problem. You're not in obedience to these laws. There are now, they were following all these laws. In fact, there were 39 specific Forbidden things you couldn't do sowing, plowing, reaping, blind. I don't want to read them all. It's a long list of things. You couldn't tie a knot. You couldn't put two threads together. It was a burden, right? So think about what the Sabbath became for these people a huge pain in the neck. <laughs> it was horrible to live under that. And now something revolutionary is happening. Jesus says, Lay that burden down. <laughs> would, you, would you rest? Like, just relax. This is not what God has designed this day to become. You have been overwhelmed with all this stuff, this legalism, and that's not how I've designed life to be for you. Here's what I've designed rest in me. Isn't that good news? Rest in me, become my partner. And the work that I have for you. Learn from me. Just imitate what I'm doing. And share your burdens here. If you've come and you've got burdens, then share them with me and don't overcomplicate things. Don't do that. Just find your rest and enjoyment in me. How good is that? Right? How, how good is that design from the Lord for us? And is Jesus in the habit then? He sought to make this teaching practical. So they're walking along. He gives this teaching, and he knows these Pharisees are wrestling and grappling with this. And he's walking along, and he's going to teach it out. And they're walking along in this field, and it's got a harvest, right? And they start, the guys are hungry, and they they pick grain to eat. Now, you might think that's a violation of Old Testament law. It's a violation of the Talmud, but it's not a violation of Old Testament law. In fact, actually, Scripture gave them permission to do this. In Deuteronomy, it tells us um, this really great, encouraging word. Um, Deuteronomy 23, 24, and 25 says this. If you go into a neighbor's vineyard, you may eat your fill of grapes, as many as you wish. But you shall not put any in your bag. Don't like be like picking all your neighbor's grapes. But if you're hungry, then that's okay. And if you go into your neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck the ears with your hand, but you shall not put a sickle. Don't like harvest your neighbor's crop. But if you're hungry, go ahead and eat. So it's a great Old Testament law that describes something that you should have learned in kindergarten. And for those of you who are preschool teachers or kindergarten teachers or whatever here, this is what you do, right? This is a lesson you teach. A fundamental lesson in law is share, right? Be good at sharing. And that's exactly what this law was teaching people. Like, we're together as a family. And if you come over, by the way, if you come over to my house and you need something to eat, go ahead, go in the refrigerator. I'm great with that. But if you clean out my refrigerator... I'm probably going to have an issue with that, right? I'm great at being hospitable. We'd love to have people over, but don't clean us out. That's what this is saying. So share. So Jesus actually and his disciples, they are in obedience to the law, but the Talmud had placed all these restrictions so they couldn't even lift their hand to pick a grain like that because they were trying to earn God's favor through legalism, and that never works. That's always bad. So Jesus walks his disciples through this grain field and these Pharisees are sneaking up on them, watching what's happening, right? Now here's kind of an irony. The Pharisees are taking a journey on the Sabbath too. They violated the 3,000 foot law, right? But they're still so captivated on obedience or disobedience to legalism that they can't see past it. And so they're upset, and Jesus turns to them. Matthew tells us this story, what's happening. The Pharisees, they're going out of their way to closely observe Jesus and trying to find fault with him. But they'd missed out on some of the most important things. In fact, the very most important things. Before chapter 11, there's a series of works that Jesus does in people's lives. right Healing people, caring for people. That great teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, there's a whole list of things that Jesus gives, pours out and just gives life to people, right? It's so precious and good and helpful. But these people, they had been caught and they couldn't step into it. They were wrestling with their disobedience. They couldn't humble themselves before God. And it's hard, right? It's really hard for us to say, wow, I was wrong. Everything I believed in the past that was really wrong. I need to acknowledge it. In fact, the Bible tells us that I can't have a relationship unless I get to that place in my life. Unless I come to a place where you said, I've been wrong. I've wronged God. I've been a sinner, an active person who has disobeyed God. And I need his forgiveness. I need to just confess that. And that's the step where I come into relationship with God when I acknowledge that. But these, deci- these um, Pharisees, their religious leaders, they couldn't acknowledge it. They, were, they wouldn't acknowledge the goodness of God in front of them. So in response to their challenge about obeying rabbinic traditions, Jesus challenges them by pointing to the example of one of their heroes of the faith, David, who himself had done a specific act that looked even worse, right, on the face of it, on their Talmud, of going in and eating the presence, the bread of the presence, and getting his other guys to do it. And 1 Samuel teaches us this. And Jesus isn't like doing that so that he would step into this complicated theological argument. He's simply asking the question why was the Sabbath given in the first place? Okay, he's using an example in the Old Testament for them to ask the question why was the Sabbath given to us? What's significant about the Sabbath? Is it about the, the details of ceremonial law or civil law? Or is there something more important going on? According to the Bible, that the, the Sabbath was an act of mercy by God. It's not that God needed to rest on the seventh day because he was tired and needed a nap. We talked about that last week. It's because God wanted to give something to us, a model for us to find a refreshment in him. And mercy was at the heart of why David was not condemned for eating the bread And mercy is at the heart of God's intent for the Sabbath. The Sabbath calls us to enjoy God and to be refreshed in him. That's what the Sabbath is about. And now comes Jesus' punchline. This is is like the the heart of the message Jesus has for us, right? Verse 6, chapter 12, and 7 and 8. Verse 6, I tell you something greater than the temple is here. What was greater? The presence of the living God. That was greater. Like their creator was standing with them. The temple was a shadow like those things we talked about last week. It pointed to something. Just like the law pointed, our need for a savior, the, the temple pointed to the, the need for people to draw near to a holy God, to his presence. But the holy God was with them. Something greater than the temple was right there next to them. Jesus. God in the flesh was right there. That was what was greater when Jesus makes that statement. He's making a really powerful statement. And then he says, if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, a fundamental truth in the Old Testament. What God really wants at the heart of us is mercy, not sacrifice, not all these rules. You would have not condemned the guiltless, those without guilt, but they were condemning people who were innocent. And then verse 8, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath doesn't rule God. God is God. He's the ruler of the Sabbath. So, if they hadn't been riled up yet, they certainly would have been now. Right? Because Jesus is saying, something greater than the Sabbath, all of your rules and expectations is here right now. That's me. And You have been completely wrong because it's not about the sacrifice. It's about mercy. And I don't answer to the Sabbath laws because I'm the master of the Sabbath. So of course, they're really struggling now. He's teaching out this lesson. Mercy trumps the law. And they felt like the law should trump mercy. Micah 6.8 says, this is what the Lord requires of you, but to love mercy to do justice and walk humbly with your God. And they had missed it. And as he says these things, it's obvious that these religious leaders are really struggling and objecting to what he says. And so Jesus takes them to church, right? He says, let's go to the synagogue. So they go to the synagogue, they walk in the synagogue, and immediately they see this man who has got a withered hand. This is what the word says. He went on from there and entered their synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? It was not lawful according to the Talmud, but what's the Sabbath about if it's not about our healing? What's church about if it's not about our healing? And they did it. Here's their motives. So they might accuse him. Verse 11, he said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? He knew the answer, right? He knew that if it was a sheep, it was their financial like stuff at risk. They were going to disobey their own ceremonial law and pick up that sheep and get it out of that pit. They were going to save the pit, right? Or save the sheep, excuse me. That they, would, they would do that. In fact, I think that Jesus, because he was God himself, knew exactly that all of these guys had done that before. Right? They would already had done that before, and so now he's speaking, okay, which one of you guys wouldn't do this? Because I've actually seen you all do this. Which one of you have not done that? But the kicker was that in the heart of God, stuff is never more important than people. It's never more important than people. And so Jesus says it. Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? Isn't this guy with his struggles more valuable than that? What's going on with you? So it is lawful to do good on a Sabbath. And to prove it, verse 13, then he said to the man, stretch out your hand, and the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. Verse 14, but the Pharisees went out and conspired against him. How to destroy him. Because they were so angry that Jesus had showed him up. That he had spoken into the area of their life that was wrong and they had failed. They missed the heart of God on. And they couldn't accept it. They couldn't accept his teaching. In their temple, under their regulations, there was no room for healing on the Sabbath. Think about that. But in the heart of God, this is a place where we find Healing. And it's the right place for us to find healing. And here's the kicker. On their Sabbath, their rules made no room for the man, but made room for this animal. Like, he always values people over stuff. In all their discussion then, these people, they miss the heart of God and they walk out and they're thinking about how they can get back at Jesus, and they miss the crucial lessons. Here they are, just three of them. Let me just get them in your heart, right? First, the Sabbath is an invitation to find our rest in Jesus and to turn our burdens over to him. Come, all you who are heavy laden. It's an invitation. Did you come with something that's stressing you out right now? A burden in a relationship? or something, a financial need, or something that you're struggling with, let me give you space right now. Just give it to God. Right now. Just pray it out. In your heart, Lord, I know I've walked in here, I'm carrying this, let me give it to you. He's inviting you to do that. Second, the Sabbath calls us to prioritize mercy over legalism. Is there a place in your life you feel like you have a prioritized living up to the expectations of others, the spiritual expectations, or there's a legalistic bent inside of you that you just need to say, whoa, I need to stop that and step into God's heart and be a person of mercy. I need to actually live my life as if mercy was the highest priority. And thirdly, the Sabbath reminds us that there is one Lord, the Lord of the Sabbath. And we are created with a need to stop all the stuff we're doing and to draw near to him. To draw near to him. And all your activity, all the stuff, prioritize him. Let me pray. Father, thank you for uh, this great word and great need that we have to be refreshed, speak into our souls. And Father, thank you for loving us and calling us into a new way of life that's not bound up in rules, but steps into your mercy, into you carrying our load. Praise you for that, Lord, and for all those that came who are just burdened. Help them to be refreshed by your word and your model, and your example in your life. You pray these things in Jesus' name, who has loved us and carried us. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. To know more about Bridges Community Church, please go to our website at bridgescc.org.